0: What's up guys? In this video, I will be taking you to the age of the pirate. I will highlight Henry Morgan particularly, whose name you may know as Captain Morgan. Yes, he was a real person. He did go on adventures at sea. He pillaged gold, was in many firefights, battles, and has now been immortalized by the brand of rum. So let's get into the video. Born Henry Morgan, the place of his birth was Wales and it is speculated that the year he was born was 1635. We know virtually nothing of his childhood and there is conflicting information as to whether he was born into an upper class or poor family. But what we do know is when he was a young adult he made his way to the Caribbean to make his wealth. In the 17th century young men would become privateers which would entail robbing an enemy ship legally and plundering all the goods and coin aboard. This was due to the war with the Spanish and many pirates would become rich legally because of this. Henry Morgan would join the Brethren of the Coast who were a loose coalition of pirates based in Tortuga and Port Royal. Many of these pirates were British men, Spaniards and African sailors, as well as escaped slaves and other outlaws. The Brethren of the Coast would operate under the guides of privateers, but as soon as their assignment was over, and they had no work, they would go back to pirating. By 1660, Morgan would join Sir Christopher Ming's crew, and would be involved in the raiding of many Spanish ships and settlements in the Caribbean and Central America. Morgan would thrive, and would eventually go on to become captain himself, one of Christopher Ming's ships. Morgan took part in a battle known as the Sack of Campeche. Campeche at this time was occupied by the Spanish. The fleet of ships would arrive in Campeche Bay by night. Around 1,000 men were now at a short distance from the city. They waited until first light, and a fierce firefight would ensue. After a two-hour-long battle, many pirates and many Spanish men would lay dead. Morgan and his men would then sack the city and plundered 150,000 pieces of eight. In today's climate, that would be around £7.5 million. England and Spain would compete against each other for control over the Caribbean. Whilst England controlled Jamaica, the Spanish still controlled Panama and had their foothold in many other lands and islands in Central America and the Caribbean. Morgan then planned to attack Havana, but the city was too well guarded and manned. So the plan changed, and he decided he would attack Puerto Principe. He took 10 ships and 500 men for the task. A battle would ensue, and men would die, but in the end, Morgan and his men took the town. However, the plunder obtained was not what Morgan and his men had hoped for. And this caused much grief and oppression amongst the crews under Morgan and his other captains as well. Morgan's men began to quarrel with each other, and one of Morgan's English pirates stabbed his fellow crew member in the back, killing him. As Morgan was still part of the Brethren of the Coast, he had to be seen to uphold the Pirate Code. Rule number eight of the Pirate Code was upheld, which was every man's quarrel was to be ended on the shore with a sword and pistol. This was quite an honourable rule for the pirates, and this man had violated it, so Morgan had him hung for the murder of his crewmate. Morgan had been involved in many battles and expeditions, he had risen through the ranks, and become the captain of his own ship, and even had his own fleet, and now he was ready for the hardest task that he would face in his life as a privateer. He would attempt to take and plunder Portobello, now Panama. The city was rich and it was the main trade route between the Spanish territories and Spain. Morgan's men would dream about the plunder in the city and what they could do with their riches once they had looted it. Nevertheless, this wasn't enough for the French crew members to stay loyal to Morgan. They held on to a grudge since their countrymen had been murdered and they would abandon his service before their attack on Portobello. Morgan and his crew and ships landed at Port Royal to stock up on supplies and enjoy themselves with drink and women of the night. Morgan would also outline his plan on how they would sack the city. They would arrive on the outskirts of Portobello on the 11th of July, 1668, unseen. Morgan's men lowered canoes in front of their ships, and most of the men would board the canoes in order to carry out a sneak attack. Now, Portobello was protected by two castles in the harbour, and another in the town. Morgan knew this, and used the element of surprise in order to take the first two. Morgan and his men were successful attacking the castle just before dawn. He only lost 18 men, with another 32 wounded. In order to take the third castle, he went back to his roots, and used the tactics of a pirate. He had all the nuns and religious women that had been taken prisoner, used as human shields, and his men would approach the castle with these women in front of them. This was done so that ladders could be fixed against the castle walls. The Spanish would fire and kill their own nuns and women, but it was in vain. Their hesitance to go all out allowed numerous ladders to be erected, and Morgan's men swarmed and took the castle. Morgan had now taken Portobello and wrote to the president for a ransom for the city. Now I must reiterate, Morgan done great things, however he was not a moral man, far from, and he ordered the torture of many of the townspeople in order to find the treasure of the Spanish. After the ransom and plunder of the city, Morgan had amassed around £100,000 worth of loot, which today is estimated to be around $24 million. After this brazen attack, Morgan was regarded as a national hero, and although he took the city through questionable means, he would not be tried for his actions, and if anything, it just made his name even more famed. In 1669, Morgan called a war council for all the captains of his ships, in order to discuss the plans of the future and expansion. However, whilst the meeting was taking place, there was a spark that went off in the ship's powder room, The whole ship exploded. 200 of the crew members were consumed by the flames of the explosion. Morgan, however, was blown into the water and survived, while the captains on the other side of his table were all killed. Morgan went on to sack Gibraltar. He used his usual means of a rapid attack, followed by a slaughter. He would then torture anyone in order to acquire the hidden wealth of the region. In May 1669, Morgan and his fleet of ships attacked a Spanish squadron of ships, this was part of the Spanish Armada, Morgan would sink three of their boats, this was in order to try and sack Marciabo, modern day Venezuela. However, Morgan still had to pass a fortress that was full of cannons, it had the potential to destroy his entire fleet, he decided to negotiate and threatened to sack and burn Marciabo. If he was not allowed to pass and make his way home. The citizens negotiated with Morgan and paid him 20,000 pesos and gave him 500 cattle if he left the city intact. Morgan had climbed the ranks, risen to incredible heights from being a lowly pirate, had taken part in numerous raids, sackings, firefights and had coordinated battle plans and led his men during them. In 1669, his eyes were once again set on Panama, a city he had already sacked. This was due to the Queen of Spain ordering attacks on English ships in the Caribbean, and something had to be done in retaliation. He would first occupy Fort San Lorenzo and garrison his men there in order to protect his line of retreat. This conveys how clever Henry really was as a tactician. Then, on the 9th of January, 1671, he rode up the Chagres River in central Panama to head for Old Panama City. Most of the journey was on foot. Morgan and his men made their way through the swamps and jungles. Many of them died along the way, succumbing to tropical diseases, but his men were fearless, knowing what their life they led would ultimately lead to. It was for glory and plunder, or death. In addition to his men dying along the way, the governor of Panama sent troops to attack Morgan whilst he was on his way, as word had reached his ear that he was once again going to try and take the city. Regardless of Morgan's bad fortunes, him and his crew made it to Panama and attacked the city. They were met by 1,200 Spanish infantry soldiers and 400 cavalry. Morgan's pirate troops were now all battle-hardened, fearless and lived to fight the pirates or so-called privateers, fired at the main force of Spanish troops, which were all charging at them on horses, but the disruption of the hail of bullets managed to shock the enemy. As a last resort, the governor of Panama released a horde of oxen and bulls onto the battlefield, but they turned on their keepers and trampled over them and their Spanish troops. The battlefield was in absolute chaos. However, after that disaster, the Spanish force was in complete disarray, and Morgan's men gave chase and slaughtered them. However, not everything was as it seemed. The governor had left barrels of gunpowder throughout the city, and as soon as the governor retreated and Morgan's men would begin to plunder the city, he let off a devastating detonation, and Panama would be ablaze for over a day. Morgan and his men looted what they could after the devastation, and used his usual methods of torture on the locals and remaining captured soldiers in order to get information of hidden treasure. While Morgan was killing the Spanish and plundering, news had reached Jamaica that England and Spain were now at peace, and the peace had begun before Morgan's attack on Panama. He was officially no longer a privateer and had acted as a pirate, Morgan soon had a warrant out for his arrest and in 1672 he was arrested and shipped to London to face trial. King Charles II of England had heard of Morgan and his exploits and wanted to meet him personally. Morgan would tell the King tales of his battles, adventures and much more. The two would soon become friends. Morgan was pardoned and then was knighted and became Sir Henry Morgan. He made his way back to Jamaica and soon became the Lieutenant Governor. He had now turned his back from a life at sea and piracy, but much that came with that life stayed with him. He drank heavily on a daily basis and his eyes were described as yellow, which is a sign of liver and kidney disease. He also had a tendency to vomit every morning and straight after would reach for a drink. I have said before that henry morgan was not a moral man and this is highlighted by him owning three large plantations no matter the glory he achieved with actions for his country and personal wealth it is clear the man lacked empathy due to the torture he inflicted on others during his campaigns and the owning of slaves during his time as a pirate for the brethren of the coast he would have sailed with many escapee slaves and heard the stories of horror that went on. This reflects his immorality. Morgan died on the 25th of August, 1688, probably from an alcohol-related disease at the age of 53. All pirates that had a bounty on their head were allowed to pay their respects for Morgan, as he had been a member of the Brethren, and for that one day of his funeral, they could not be arrested. Morgan was buried in Port Royal, Jamaica. Then in 1692, an earthquake struck Port Royal, which then caused a tsunami. Morgan's grave now lies at the bottom of the sea. Thanks for watching the video. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share, and I'll see you next time for another video. Bye.